When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Laura Cook and Cara Bentley. On today's episode, we look at how Ukraine plans to outsmart Russia with an army of robots. We start today with a Herculean task set by Ukraine's President Zelensky, which could change the direction of the war with Russia. He has set his Minister for Strategic Industries a challenge to create an army of robots that are capable of outsmarting Russia. And it seems, so far, so good. Ukraine already has remote-controlled weapons, but what's new is how artificial intelligence could make a difference. The Times correspondent in Ukraine, Maxim Tucker, explained to us what AI can do. What AI allows Ukraine to do is send these unmanned systems into an area of the battlefield where they would then select what are the priority targets based on what they can see themselves, find the targets, plot a path to reach them, which is going to create minimal exposure for them to enemy fire, and attack them. AI could also be used to coordinate multiple unmanned vehicles attacking a specific target and find the safest way for them to then exfiltrate. Um, AI could also be used to learn about the behaviour of Russian attacks and try and preempt them. The man behind this challenge is Alexander Kamashin, the former boss of Ukraine's state-run railway. He's now in charge of creating a new high-tech arms industry, not only for Ukraine, but for NATO countries as well. And Maxim has been spending time with him this week. He is someone who has received rare plaudits from the anti-corruption activist community here in Ukraine. But still, he faces a Herculean task that he's been given by President Zelensky to persuade Western arms companies to help Ukraine build the next generation of weaponry, both for Ukraine and NATO. Um, It's going to be, it's a big ask, it's a tall order. So what Ukraine is saying to its, its allies is essentially, help us to help ourselves and we will help you build with us the next generation of weapons and and we'll supply you with them uh, when you're struggling to in your own economies. Now, NATO supplies are running empty. Giving you one example of how demand is far outweighing supply, Europe has fallen short on a promise to deliver a million shells this year. Such is the demand that Kyiv is calling for. The Minister Kamashin says no Western country can compete with the Russian arms industry during wartime on their own. Maxim explains what the future could hold with this technology. Well, this new technology is definitely going to change the face of this war and it is also going to change the the future of warfare. I mean, both sides will be using it. um, And even though NATO countries, including the UK, have ethical concerns about lethal autonomous weapon systems and that the UN is trying to ban them, it will be very difficult to justify not developing them when NATO's largest um, foe, Russia, is, is busy developing them at scale. 
Um, so it will change the future of warfare. seem that with everything else going on now in the Middle East, you can lose track on what's at the core of this most recent conflict. The hostages taken by Hamas and the bombardment of Gaza by Israel. Well, this week, an official from Hamas in Gaza has told the Times that no decision has been made on whether it will accept another ceasefire deal with Israel. They've apparently agreed to the substance of a deal, which could see all the remaining Israeli hostages released and a 40-day ceasefire but nothing set in stone. The Times' Washington correspondent Alistair Dorber told us why it has not been confirmed yet. On the one hand, uh, from the Israeli point of view, they want the hostages out. They also want the bodies back of those hostages that have died since October the 7th. But they don't want to allow Hamas to stay in in Gaza and operating uh, as they have done in the past. And the, the aim of this war, says Benjamin Netanyahu, is to is to end Hamas. And at the same time, Hamas wants to ensure that that doesn't happen. And it knows uh, that holding hostages is a pretty valuable tool. Um, it, it gives it uh, much more uh, leverage in, in any talks. It, it will demand a complete uh, end to the war and want assurances uh, that that will happen. And the ceasefire will stay in place after the hostages have been freed. And that's why I think we're seeing it, uh, seeing it play out in, in phases. Uh, first of all, civilians. Uh, over a sort of forty-five day period, um, if that's what's eventually agreed to, and and then uh, members of the Israeli military afterwards. So I think it's I think we're not seeing perhaps progress that that some people would like, um, at least very quick progress, because the negotiations are very very deli- uh, delicate and are inching forward uh, with both parties. Uh, and of course, they're not talking to each other, but both parties wanting to ensure that they get what they want without conceding. Um, too much ground. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's Prime Minister, has said the war can't end until Hamas has been removed from power in Gaza, but he has come under pressure from Washington to bring the fighting to a close. We've spoken already on the podcast about the huge protests going on in Europe by farmers. On Thursday, 1,400 tractors brought the area of Brussels, which is home to the European Union, to a standstill. But there have also been protests in France, Germany, Poland, Greece, Italy, the Netherlands and Spain, all against what farmers see as too much bureaucracy from the European Union over how they do farming and imported produce basically being cheaper. This is a farmer in Belgium explaining the problem. La vie à la ferme était peut-être plus manuelle avant. So he's saying here that it used to be less strict, not so much paperwork, but now there's loads of scrutiny about agricultural standards and that they can't do what they want in the fields. He says we need to sow on a certain date, harvest on a certain date and put pesticides on a particular date. 
It means there might be a very real revolt against the environmental measures of the EU, such as nitrogen measures which require farmers to get rid of one in three cows, or rules that say they set aside 4% of their arable land to remain untouched for a season, a rule which is bankrupting some farmers. And there's also upset at a rule that has waived the added tax on Ukrainian imports since the war with Russia. But France's president has made some concessions. He's halted a plan to halve the amount of pesticides being used in rural France and announced a ban on imports of some fruit and vegetables authorised by the EU. But there is still discontentment on a deeper level with the EU and what some see as its agenda to push climate policies over the care of farmers and their livelihoods. Now, the Polish farm minister said EU policy has hit a dead end. If the existing regulations, including the Green Deal and the eco schemes, are not renegotiated, I suspect that the anger in Europe may be even greater. So it's safe to say it's been a fairly dramatic 24 hours in Formula One. For those not petrol heads among us, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton told his Mercedes team he'll be leaving them at the end of this year and joining Ferrari. Well, today, Mercedes team boss Toto Wolff has been speaking for the first time since that conversation and he told reporters that he understands the reasons. How he framed it to me is perfectly understandable that he uh, needed a new challenge and that it was maybe the last possibility to do something else. You know, we are, we are we're big boys. I totally, we totally respect that um, you can change your mind with different circumstances. Switching to Ferrari, maybe for the last gig in, in his career, maybe rolling the dice a bit. I can follow that decision. Well, Netflix will certainly be rubbing their hands with glee. The drive to survive season covering this episode in F1 will certainly be one to watch. There's more on all these stories on The Times website. Thanks for your time today. The top world stories in 10 with The Times of London. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.